And so you guys know that there's a battle going on in, in, the, in the places you can't see. It's the places unseen where evil and, and the, you know, God's angels fight and fight. And so there's opposition. You guys know in the book of Daniel, he prayed and then the angel came. It seemed like a delay. And he said, I've been fighting 21 days and uh, there's, there's a war going on. But as soon as you prayed, the, the, the God heard your prayer and I was dispatched to give you the answer, but there was a war going on, right? So, you you know, we got to know that there's uh, warfare going on that we can't see. So I was praying and asking what to share and couldn't, didn't get nothing from the Lord, you know? And so then one word came, and the word was servant. So we're going to be talking about a servant. We're going to be talking about the servants, some of the servants in this book, and then uh, while we're talking about it, uh, you can think about, you know, your life. How, how are you doing as a servant? You know, people come to the Lord and then they say, well, I don't know what God has for my life. You know, what, what is it that God has for me? Well, I'm going to tell you that all of us are called to be servants of the Lord. There is no greater title than to be a servant of the Lord, really. You know, the pastor, he's a servant. You know, everybody's a servant. You know, we got to know our position. And Jesus came to be a servant, right? So if we're going to be Christ-like and we're going to, you know, our behavior should imitate Christ, then it's to be a servant, to be a servant. A lot of people come, and then they want to start at the top, you know. So you, you, you start where, you know, I like being the servant where nobody can see me, you know. I, I'd rather, I much rather be somewhere where no one can see me serving, right? But today... God has called me to be up here, and so uh, we'll get into our to our lesson. So, uh, what what is the requirements of a servant? You know, what is it? What is it that is required of a servant? And so, uh, one of the things that's required is that when God calls, you answer. You know, God is calling that you answer, and then uh, it says in First uh, Corinthians four one, it says. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be faithful. So that's the requirement, that you're faithful to the ministry and that you answer the call, right? So, you know, God will, will qualify you. He will equip you. But it is, all, you know, the prophet Isaiah, when, when the Godhead was speaking, saying, who shall we send? Who will go for us? What did Isaiah say? He said, I'll go. Send me. That's all that God is asking of you, that you have the, that desire to go and serve. You know, everybody can be afraid. Everybody can say, I'm not qualified, because we're not. We're not qualified. It is through the Holy Spirit that we could do anything, right? Apart from me, you could do nothing, is what Jesus said. So he said, told the, the apostles before he ascended, he said, don't do anything until I send the power, the Holy Spirit. So we should know that it is God who's going to do the work. We're just the vessels. And the emptier we are, the better. You know, I always pray God would empty me out so I would know nothing. And somehow, when, when I'm called to, to give out the word, uh, before I come up, I forget everything. You know, And I used to panic. I used to go into a panic, but now I know what God is doing. So, you know, I, I trust in the Lord, what he's going to do. He who 
who began a good work is faithful to complete it. If he's calling us to be faithful, it's because he's faithful. You know, he, if anybody's faithful, God is faithful, right? So, you know, I, I don't know where you are in your life, you know, but uh, you, you, you're, you, know, you could be going through a lot of things, you know, and, and maybe, you know, it's difficult to serve. But I always say, you know, whatever you're going through, you know, think about serving the Lord. And it doesn't have to be here. You know, it could be in your, you know, we, we ask for servants here. But, it, you know, I don't know you. You could be serving somewhere else, you know. So just serve the Lord, you know. And guess what? The, the trials will get more difficult. But you start to grow. And you start to grow in, in Christ. And you start to grow in, in your faith in Christ. So my advice would always be to serve. You know, just uh, we're going to talk about some of the servants in this Bible. And so just to go over a few. And then uh, one of the titles that I like above servant when you call yourself is a bond servant. That's the one who decides to stay with the master. But more than that is when Paul refers to himself as a prisoner, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. You could be a prisoner of this present age. You could be a prisoner of anything, you know, outside of bars. But to be a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be captured by God. He apprehended you. You know, we've been apprehended. So Paul, you know, it's interesting that when he was going to persecute the church, he was trying to apprehend them. But then he became apprehended by Jesus Christ. And he became a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, this is the title that I like the best, you know, the, to be a prisoner because when God captures you, if you think about a prisoner, you can't get away, you know. You can't leave. And do you want to leave? Do you want to leave? Really, you know, we should know that we don't want to leave. I, I think about my life and how, how did I make it without Jesus? How did I make it? impossible because we know that if, if we look at our life that God was with us even in when we were not with him you see God had his mercy over us and so you know I, I like that title the best to be a prisoner and so Ephesians uh, <clears throat> so another question is why why would you want to serve right you, you, you know you, you don't have to serve you don't have to serve God. You could be saved and kicked back, right? But, but in Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, for which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he prepared them before you were even born, the good works. So the only one that could stop those good works, the enemy will come against you, but he can't stop them. You can stop them. You can stop them by choosing not to be in them. God gives you the free will to choose, you know. So, so you could choose not to. But, you know, you could be a saved person, you know, without the good works that God prepared before the foundation of the world. And uh, first, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse uh, 8 and 9 says, says, Now therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me, in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, 
but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You see, before you were born, God had arranged these good works for your life. Before you guys were born, God knew that we would be here. We would be in this place, you know, and this, this meeting would be going on. We would be worshiping the Lord, and this message would be going on. So, you know, God leaves it up to you, you know. Um, some people, you know, I know here, they serve a lot, and uh, some maybe not so much, but we don't judge one another. You know, God is the judge, right? God is the judge, you know, he knows if you're going all out or you're not. You know, I used to run, I used to run marathons, and, and uh, I was one of those guys. I really enjoyed it, and I would give it 110%. But I knew people that they would cruise on in. That was their business. But in, in this, you know, how Paul equates this walk with the race, you know, you could cruise it too. You know, God allows that. It's up to you. You know, I'm not here to, to call you out or convict you, you know, God is the one, right? So the first, uh, the first person I want to talk about is Moses. And so we'll go to uh, the book of Exodus chapter 3. So, so as you guys know, I was uh, checking out Moses. And uh, I found over 20 times where he's called the servant of the Lord. You know, the servant of the Lord. And so a great servant of God, right? But it's interesting that Moses, who was qualified to lead people in, in that upbringing in, in the Pharaoh's house, he didn't see himself that way. You know, he, he, God called him, and he really didn't want to go. So in chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Come now, therefore, therefore, and I will send you to the Pharaoh, to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I would, should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I, will, I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God in this mountain. And Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, they say and say to them, The God of our fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name, and what shall I say to them? And he says in, in verse 14, the greatest three letters in this book. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So we see that Moses wasn't willing, even though God tells him he's going to do it. He's still perhaps afraid. And if, <clears throat> if we go to the next chapter, uh, in verse uh, 1, it says, And Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So Moses makes a bunch of excuses. You know, He really doesn't want to go. I've been there. I've been there and say, Lord, I don't want to do it. But the Lord all, all along knows you know, that I'm going to do it. But Moses, he puts up, he, he was highly qualified, and he puts up his defenses not to do it. He's afraid to go back to Egypt because, you know, they were going to kill him at one time. And 
he didn't do too well. You know, it's interesting that, that he was content to be with the goat herding and the sheep herding, and uh, he was not raised for that purpose, you know. He was saved out of that water for this very purpose. God had already arranged it that that very water that the, the Egyptians were going to use to kill these babies is that same water that saved Moses through that ark, you know. And God had raised up Moses for that purpose. He let him be in the presence of his enemies in that, ca- in that Pharaoh's house to have the Pharaoh raise him up for the purpose of God, okay? So, you know, in, in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 10, and 10 through 12, we see what, what uh, it says. It says, uh, and Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who makes the mute and the deaf and the seen or the blind have not have not I the Lord? And therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. So there God is telling him, it doesn't matter, you know, about your mouth. You know? It doesn't matter. I'm going to take care of it. But he still, Moses still puts up his, his, uh, his no, and then he says, you know, can you have somebody go with me? God gives in, and he sends his brother Aaron, who was a good speaker. But as we know the story later, you know, Aaron becomes a problem because he lets the people of Israel, the children of Israel, when Moses goes up to the mountain, he lets them build that golden calf. You know, he did not stop them. You know, and it's a shame that the, the, the gold and the silver that was taken, that God told them to take, the Egyptians would give them, they took it to build an idol. You know? and this was the story of the Israelites, that God had this big problem about these idols. You know, and so it, it's, it's similar to our lives. You know? We uh, need to put away our idols. We say, well, we don't have these same kind of idols. Well, we have different kind of idols, but I, idols just the same. You know, and God wants us to uh, worship him only, right? Spirit and in truth. So the next, the next couple of guys that I want to talk about is, is real, real brief is Joseph and Daniel. And these guys, you know, the interesting thing to me is these guys, they were both in captivity. You know, one in Egypt, one in Babylon. And these guys, you know, they surfaced through God's hand to the top of the echelon just below the king, and they didn't have to serve. What, which one of us would serve while we were in captivity with, with such, you know, they served without, with this great diligence to serve, but they were serving the true God first. And that's why God raised them up, you know. And so we see that God had a plan to save Israel through Joseph, right? He was taken into to captivity, he sold into slavery by his brothers, but God had a plan to save Israel through Joseph. But there's the part that Joseph had to be obedient, right? God says he, he doesn't desire sacrifice, but he desires obedience, right? So if Joseph had a choice not to obey, see, he could have he could have messed up God's plan. He could have God would have to raise someone else. But still, you know, the, this this man Joseph, he could have said, look at poor little me. I'm in captivity. I'm in prison. But he didn't. 
And so he rose to be the number two man in the kingdom. And the Pharaoh trusted him. He was a good steward of all the king, the Pharaoh's uh, things, the king's stuff, right? And so uh, just to show us that where your position is doesn't really matter, you know. You serve where God puts you, you know. And this man is, is an example of that. The other one is Daniel. You know, Daniel was a servant of the Lord. And, uh, you know, there's several kings that, that went through the kingdom, you know, and it says in the Bible that Daniel continued. He stayed in his position. And now, it wasn't because, you know, there was no enemies. Some people tried to get rid of Daniel. But God always took care of Daniel because he was an obedient servant of the Lord. And because of that obedience and his testimony, we know that Nebuchadnezzar received the Lord. You know, he, he was a, a hard head. He had to be put out to the field. But for seven years, but he received the Lord because of the testimony of this man. And, and scholars believe that the, the kings of the East who came to see the, the baby Jesus were, had been students for, from Daniel. Daniel had taught uh, about these things that would happen. And so he was faithful. He was faithful when he didn't have to be faithful. He could have said, I'm not going to do anything. I'm in captivity, right? So the, uh, the uh, other guy I just wanted to mention real quick, which always uh, is a, just a great example of answering, is, is the, the lad, the boy, Samuel. You know, Samuel, he, he was uh, taken to the high priest by his mother because God had made a promise that she was, uh, couldn't have children, and God gave her a son. And she said, if you give me a son, I'll dedicate him to your work. And so this, this guy went, and he, he didn't even really have a great teacher. The, uh, his high priest, Eli, wasn't a very good teacher. But Eli knew God's voice enough to tell the boy uh, as, as he was laying in bed, God called him. And God called him three times. And three times he said, uh, he went to Eli, what do you want, Eli? And he said, I didn't call you. When God calls you, you answer. Here I am, Lord. Your servant hears. Speak. Your servant hears, right? So this is what God is asking of us, is that when he calls, you know, God is calling you. If you don't know what he's calling you. I, I met a man on the street that was a Christian. He, he was kind of out of God's will on his own choice. But I was telling him that there's a calling on your life, and God is calling you. And he would get real angry. He said, God is not calling me. That just t told me that God was calling him. And God is calling everybody into the service of the Lord. So just a, a little side story. When I went on a mission trip to Mexico, I met this brother. And, uh, you know, he, he uh, ran into some trouble. <clears throat> he was an assistant pastor. And uh, he was telling me his, his, his story, you know. And uh, we all have a story of being under attack by the enemy. So he had a, a date farm there. And his son would work the farm. He worked the farm, and his son ran off. He went off like the prodigal son. And then in the midst of that, his, his wife fell in a ditch and uh, had to be hospitalized, couldn't walk. So he's telling me this tragic situation, you know. And he says, but you know what? Romans 8.28. And I said, how? He says, well, I went to the hospital. 
and there was sick people, and there was demon-possessed people. And you should see the work that God did through me in that hospital. You see? So he could have said, I don't, I'm not going to go over there, serve. I'm not going to minister to these people. But he put God first. See, He saw the vision that it doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. You know, we continue. We continue serving the Lord. And uh, if, if you're serving God, it's likely, you know, that you're going through a lot of stuff in this world. It's highly likely. But uh, if, if, if I could tell you the truth, I would tell you. I mean, I'll tell you. There's times when I thought, hey, man, it would be easier, you know, not to serve. The enemy leave me alone. I can tell you that when things are bad going on in my life, I say, man, Lord, the people aren't, my brothers and sisters, they're not praying for me. But I have been wrong in that idea. I realized through the Lord telling me that it's when the people are praying for me that I'm being attacked because there's that war I was telling you about. There's that war going on that you can't see. And so, you know, it's a fight. And we were called to a battle. You know, King David, King David, w- when he got in trouble is when he stayed away from the workmanship of God. When he got in trouble is when he stayed home and he should have been to the battlefield. So when we get in the battle of God, we're in the right place. You know, we're in the right place. Instead of saying, why me? We say, why not me? Why not me? If God is, see, everything has to pass through God's hands. You know, Job was, I wouldn't want to go through what he went through or even close to it. But we know the story that he had to get permission. The devil had to get permission. You know, you belong to God. So whatever you're going through, you know, God knows about it. You know, and you might say, well, I can't serve. You know, I'm busy. I go to work. I got kids. I got this. Well, God knows that too. And and you go to work. And you go where you have to go. And God will put people there. God will bring people into your life. You know? Into wherever you're going. So you don't have to go in a different direction. God will arrange it. You know? You just ask. You know? You you don't have because you don't ask. You know, we're we're thinking about material. But to do the workmanship of God, you know, be careful what you ask for because God's going to bring it. You know, if it's to serve him, God's going to bring it. So so the next person I want to talk about real quick is Paul, the Apostle Paul. And so we all know the story, you know, Paul, zealous against the the Christians, the early church. You know, he he was persecuting the church. And in uh, Acts chapter 9, he, uh, I'll read it real quick. In, in, in chapter 9, the first verse says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to, to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any of who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring bound th- them bound to Jerusalem. So, this, is, this man ha- had a zeal to persecute the church because he thought he was doing God's work. So he already had it in his mind to be a worker of God, right? So the Lord thought good that he would get Paul. 
and turn them. You know, they say that Paul's conversion is one of the greatest testimonies for God. So what I like about, about what Paul does here in, uh, <clears throat> is when he's called, you know, he, he says, uh, he says, and uh, I'll start in verse 4. He says, and, and then he fell to the ground and heard a voice and saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's it. What do you want me to do? You know, what do you want me to do? That, that's all you have to ask the Lord. You know, what do you want me to do? He'll take care of the rest. He'll guide every step you take. And so... Just to get a look at uh, uh, some of the things, you know, the zeal that Paul had is in, <clears throat> in the chapter 14 of Acts, you know, he was stoned to death, left for dead, and, and after he got up and wiped himself off, dusted himself off, he went back into the ministry. How many of us would do that? I could tell you, not me, you know, if I went through some rough event like that, I might run away, but this is... This is the man, Paul, who had a zeal. The God changed the zeal of the persecution to make it a zeal for Christ. And so this is, this is the heart of this man. So uh, I want to read a verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 9. So in verse 19, it says, And for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. So here, you know, he, he, he calls himself a servant, you know. And so, and why, you know, to, to, win, them, to win them over, you know. So then you might say, well, what, what, what is my goal in serving? What, what is it? What should it be? You know, what, what was the great commission that, that we would go out and make disciples, right? All the other work of God is on the sidelines of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the bringing people to Jesus Christ. So, if you know, more so if we believe that we're in these last days. If we're in these last days, more so. You know, we have family members who, who if God came today, they would not make it. They would go to hell. You know, so that bothers me. You know? That bothers me. So what do I do? You know, the Lord says, I'm not praying enough for these people to open up their hearts, you know. And, and so every opportunity, seize the opportunity to be Christ-like, to be the gospel, and to speak the gospel when you are called, you know. This is the, at the forefront of the Christian life, you know. And so you could be happy-go-lucky. You could be a happy-go-lucky Christian. Like the, the people that I accepted the Lord with when I was young, they're happy-go-lucky Christians. They, they don't serve the Lord. They never have. And, and maybe I pray that I'm wrong, and maybe they do preach the gospel. But from what I've seen, they don't. But that's between them and the Lord. But, uh, you know, Paul says, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. You know, and, and I, you know, I want to tell you, I say to the Lord, I'm not going to do it no more, Lord, because there's some hard-headed people my life but 
I even had gone to, to my house and washed my hands, just like Paul. But I go back. Why? Because we're bound. If we're, if we're, if we're serving God and we want people to get, receive God's glory, then, which is eternal life, then, then we should have that heart. We should have the heart for the Lord. It doesn't mean, you know, everybody's not the same on how they do things. But to be an example, if people are saying, man, what about this person? You know, well, why are they this way? Some are more vocal. God has made it that way. But there's a way. You know, you ask God to show you, and he'll do it. You know, there's, God will kick doors open for that. So one more topic, um, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up is, uh, you know, as a servant of the Lord, it, it's hard sometimes not to see others, right? Not to see others, what others are doing. It's easy to get caught up in that. You know, you're serving, and you say, man, they're not doing it. It's an easy thing. I've heard it all, a lot. The Lord has shown me to just focus on what he's called me to do. So for me, it's not too hard. But it's easy to get caught up in that. So I just wanted to, to uh, go over a couple things about that. You know, there's a story of Martha and Mary, right? One, one was sitting at the feet of Jesus. The other one was busy cooking and doing things. And, and it almost seems like she was in the wrong. But she wasn't. She was doing what she was called to do. The wrong that she was in is she was concerned about the sister. You see... We, we should just focus on what God has called us to do. Let God move the heart of men. You know, pray for that person. If, if you think it's a problem, pray for that person. And uh, the other one, I just had these two examples. The other one is in John chapter 21. And uh, if, you recall, if you recall the story, that's uh, when Peter is questioned by the Lord and asked, you love me. And so he answers. He asked him three times. He answers. And he asked him three times because he was answering wrong. He was, he was not answering uh, with the word agape, I love you. And so after he answers correctly, you know, God calls him to serve. He says, well, if you love me, then feed my sheep. So if we love the Lord, you know, then we should be in the serving of the Lord, feeding his sheep. That was his calling. And so the part I want to get to about worrying about somebody else is uh, verse 20. It says, uh, then, then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at, at the supper and said, Lord, who is, this, the one, who is this the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, in our terms, he would say, mind your business. Uh, in verse 22, he says, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You see, just do what God calls you to do. You could spend, you could spend all your time worrying about everybody else and get nothing done. Just do what God has called you to do, you know. Don't worry about other people. A um, couple more things. Uh, I wanted to go to uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew uh, 
25. Matthew, Matthew 25 is the, the parable of the talents. And I'm just going to read it real quick and then go over a couple of things. And uh, verse 14, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own service and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, and to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he said, Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he, he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, deliver me two, two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides, this, besides them. The Lord said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, and there you have what is yours. So the talent, you know, it re represents the gifts that God has given us, the talents that God has given every person through the, through the Holy Spirit and at the, the Spirit's measure. It's the Spirit who decides what you have, how much you have. And so these talents are represented here. So you have a choice to bury the talent, to put it to work. So, you know, you could hide your, your light or you could let it shine. You could hide it under a bushel. You could bury it. It's your choice. But God is calling you to use it. Imagine, I think about... What if I get before the Lord one day and I get to heaven and I am still fresh with my talents? You know? it, it wouldn't be good. I, wouldn't, I, 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 I concern myself with that to exhaust everything that God has given me. And so the ending of it has always bothered me of this, of this parable. And it says um, in verse 30, And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, it's not a good ending for that servant. And, and you know, it, it could be a warning to us, you know, a wa wasted life. You know, God has called you. He's called us. He's given you gifts. He equips you. And so we got to use them, right? We got to use these gifts that God has called us to, to be in. I mean, after all, you know, he's going to do all the work. No, he's going to do it. Believe me, uh, in my own power, I wouldn't be able to be up here. You know. And so I need God for every little thing, every big thing. There's nothing that I could 
accomplish on my own. And so if you know that, then you pray that way, you ask God to move and use you, and believe me, he's going to do a work that's going to be beyond your understanding. It's going to be greater than you could imagine. You know, you, know, you could, uh, you know, remember that Peter walked on the water, and uh, he, he took his eyes off the Lord, and, and he, he started to sing. But he really didn't walk on that water until he he, the Holy Spirit came and he started serving the Lord. It wasn't the same kind of water. It was a spiritual walk on the water. But all of these guys who scattered at, at the crucifixion, once the Holy Spirit came, they were changed men. And so this is what God can do in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. He could accomplish anything. You know, you have jobs, regular jobs. So, so those jobs are just jobs. The work that God wants to accomplish through you in those jobs, that's really what the forefront of that job, that God put you in that job for that situation, to be praying for people, to be ministering to people. Not on the clock, of course, but this is the real reason. You know, I had a job. They, they, they would say I was a pretty good employee, but the things that they didn't know about is what God was really looking at. You know, that God put me in that job for those years to minister to the people, to pray for the people, and that people could get saved. There was a guy I worked with. He used to say, you're good at two-shoes. You know, talk, talk behind my back, things like that. And, you know, I ran into the guy on Facebook, and he's saying, Lord, come, Lord, come. You see? And I didn't think... That guy would get saved. I didn't think I was making an impact. Well, I wasn't, but God was. See, God was moving. So what, one, a uh, couple of verses, and then we'll close. Um, Mark chapter 10. So chapter 10, verse 42, it says, <clears throat> But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So... You know, the greatest servant, we'll end with the greatest servant. The greatest servant is Jesus Christ. He left his throne in heaven to come and be a servant, right? And so, Philippians, you know, I'll read uh, out of Philippians chapter 2. Chapter 2, uh, verse 7 and 8, it says, but, but may but made himself of no reputation, taking, on, taking the form of a bondservant and coming into the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. So, you know, there's the example, the ultimate example. You know, uh, we know that God so loved the world. So then he asked Peter, do you love me? 
And he's asking us the same thing. You know, we know how to answer. We know we love God because he first loved, loved us. But are we obedient to the calling? I don't know your calling, you know. I don't know your calling. And, but I know that the title of your calling is to be a servant. I know that. So do you want it, you know, any other title? I think that's the right title. Um, you know, Joshua said, you know, I'll just paraphrase. He said, you know, he's, he's calling the people of Israel to serve, to stop serving those foreign gods. He's, he's calling them to serve the true God. And he says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, it's easy to say. It's tough to do sometimes, especially when you're including your whole house. I would love for my whole house to be serving God. But I can't, you know, make them do it. But I am called to, to be responsible for me. But it's a, it's a beautiful statement, you know, that for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so just, just to close, I just want to tell you that, uh, you know, why? why? Why do I serve? Why do I serve? You know, they, my neighbors, they think I get paid. They think, you know, that the church paid for me to go to Cambodia and things like that. Well, I serve because I, I'll put it like this. Because it puts me close to God, right? And, and Moses wanted to see God's glory. And, and God told him, get in the cleft of the rock. Because you can't see it. You can only see my backside. I'm only showing you my backside. Well, I want to see more than God's backside. I'm trying to get out of the cleft of the rock. So this is why I serve the Lord. Because I want to see more of God's glory. And when you serve God and you see the amazing things that he does with your life. And the the things that you couldn't imagine he could do, then you can see more of God's glory. And when, you, when you're tired from serving and you're physically tired, but you feel like you're walking on air because you're seeing God's glory, so that's the reason that I serve. You know, people might think, oh, I have a family, my brothers and sisters, not from here, and they might think, you know, different things. But I'm telling you why I serve the Lord. I serve the Lord because... I want to see his glory. You know, I know that one day I'm going to see his glory completed, you know, in the present. But I try to see as much of it as I can here. And so in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, The eye has not seen, the ear has not heard what God has prepared for that person. You know, and, and that's, you know, in heaven. But you can see some of God's glory here. You can see it. You can know it. But it takes servant and so jesus christ is the example of the ultimate servant and so if if he's the example we're we're to follow right we decided to follow jesus christ and a lot of things come with it suffering a lot of things but god is in control and so you know just be assured be encouraged you know i didn't come to to like i said to convict anybody call anybody out just to be encouraged that God is calling you to serve. And if you can serve the people that are kind of unlovable, you're in the right place. God is molding you. He's shaping you to serve those people. So, so that's the message, guys. Uh, I know that, that uh, God has called you here to hear it. So uh, you know, you'll, you'll be led by the Lord.